You're listening to Summit Podcasts, where you'll find sermon audio, weekly discussions of the message, the Back 40 Leadership Podcast, and much, much more. Subscribe today at summitpodcast.church and share this episode with your friends. Summit Church, every life made different. Uh, Today, we're taking a a one-week break from our Much Fruit series that we've been in. We'll be back in that next week for Father's Day. And just so you know, next weekend for Father's Day, we've got some some surprises for that too. So dads, be here next weekend. I've got some good giveaways next weekend. You'll want to be here for that. Um, But we'll be picking up our series again next weekend. This weekend, we're taking a break because one of my favorite people in the world, Pastor Jim Hennessy, is with us today. And he is no stranger to Summit Church. He is a part of... Every service, God, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to learn how to just block off a part portion of my heart for you uh, next year so I won't tear up when you come visit us, but I love this man so very much. He's been such a blessing to me and to my family and to this church, and he serves in a role in our church where he, he assists our board and me. Uh, he, he serves as an overseer for us, so that basically means if, if I got into trouble, if I did something stupid, uh, or if something happened to me, if I passed away suddenly or had a moral failure, whatever it might be, uh, he and one other pastor, John Nuzo from Victory Family Church in Cranberry Township, they would be able to come alongside our board and our leadership and assist our church navigating difficult seasons, and they do that now. They speak into me when I'm struggling with something here at the church, leadership just decisions, whatever it might be. And so they've been, they've been so great. And Jim and his wife, Becky, pastor Trinity Church in Cedar Hill. Uh, for nearly 30 years, they've been there doing an incredible job impacting their region and really doing things that are cutting edge and uh, influencing pastors and churches all over the U.S. And I'm so grateful for this man, his influence in my life. And I know for sure the message he's going to bring today is going to impact you if you'll just open your heart and receive it. So do me a favor and please welcome with me to the stage, Pastor Jim Hennessy. Thank you, Mel. Bless you, my friend, my friend. I love Summit Church. I, I truly do. It took me a minute to figure out why I liked you guys so much. Um, and, but the first time I saw the trailer, I was like, oh, it's the people, the people. That's right. and I love the people here. I love, like, out in the, between the services, listening to the stories of, since last I was here, the guy who was um, alcoholic, now he's free, his marriage is restored, the family that ministered in the grocery, like every time I come, you guys are just, there's some oh, tangible story of God's goodness working among you, and so it's such a joy to be here. I, I want to share with you for a few moments, um, I, I've used this title for two messages now, but again, after seeing the title, that, 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 um, trailer is so inspiring to me. I hear God in that so much. Um, I'm going to change the title of my sermon now. The, I, to, for the two previous service, services, the title has been Finding Life's Purpose. Finding Life's Purpose. How many of you know going to heaven is a good thing, but having a reason to wake up in the morning, that matters too, right? to know that your life has value. But I changed the title after the trailer this time. And so now the message is called, Somebody Has to Do Something, and that somebody is you. So that's what we're calling the message today. Somebody has to do something, and that somebody is you. 
if you'll allow me to impose a Texas tradition, I know you don't do this, but we do this in Texas. Would you stand, please, to honor the reading of God's word? And I, another thing, just like by the, by the third time, there's some stories behind the stories. I, I have critiqued myself twice thinking, this is too much scripture to have people stand and read because it's, it's about 12, 15 verses. But there was, a, after the second, after the morning service today, a family came up to me and said, look at our rings. We just had this entire passage inscribed on our wedding rings as we renewed our vows. Wow. So I dare not cut one verse. Don't lock your knees. It's going to be a minute, okay? <laughs> Romans chapter 8, beginning with verse 18. I consider that the sufferings of the present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which will be revealed in us. For the earnest expectation of creation eagerly waits for the revealing of the sons of God. Creation is waiting for us to show up, guys. For the creation was subjected to futility, not willingly, but because of him who subjected it in hope. Because the creation itself also will be delivered, will be delivered from the bondage of corruption into the glorious liberty of the children of God. For we know that the whole creation groans and labors with birth pangs together until now. Not only that, but we also, who have the first fruits of the Spirit, even we ourselves groan within ourselves, eagerly waiting for the adoption, the redemption of our body. So like, the first groan is creation, waiting for us to show up. The second groan is us, because we've tasted the first fruits of God's goodness, and we know there's a lot more. And there's a third groan, we'll get to it. For we were saved in this hope, but hope that is seen is not hope. For why does one still hope for what he sees? But if we hope for what we do not see, we eagerly wait for it with perseverance. Likewise, the Spirit helps in our weaknesses. We do not know what we should pray for as we ought, but the Spirit helps, makes intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. For he who searches the hearts knows what the mind of the Spirit is because he makes intercession for the saints according to the will of God. The third groan is the Holy Spirit because he knows the will of the Father for our house, for our family, for our children and our grandchildren. And he's groaning so that he can release into the earth the Father's will through us. Oh my goodness. That's not even in the sermon. That's just something else. That, that. So um, verse 28 is familiar to you. And we know that all things work together for what church? For, for good. To those who love God. To those who are the called according to his purpose. And I know you, you think that's enough, but I'm just going to read one more little snippet of Scripture out of the Old Testament. Exodus chapter 3, beginning with verse 1. Now Moses was tending the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, and he came to Horeb, the mountain of God. And the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a flame of fire from the midst of the bush. And he looked, he looked. And behold, the bush was burning with fire, but the bush was not consumed. So Moses said, I will now turn aside. I'm going to give my attention to this. I'm going to see this great sight, why the bush does not burn. So when the Lord saw that he turned aside to look, God called to him. 
from the midst of the bush and said, Moses, Moses. And he said, here I am. Father, I thank you for your word. I thank you that this is the record of who you are and who we are through you. Lord, I pray today that as we share from your word, yeah, we would turn aside to your voice and we would say, yes, Lord, here we are for your glory and for your namesake. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. You may be seated. <clears throat> so there's a mildly famous king in the Old Testament named Hezekiah. And the, the most noteworthy thing about Hezekiah is that he just didn't want to die. He got a disease and was told that he was about to pass away. And the Bible says he turned his face toward the wall and he prayed. And the Bible records that Jesus, our God, decided to give him 15 extra years to his life. He wasn't ready to die. I like to contrast that with the apostle Paul because it seems like when you read Paul's words, he was okay if his time was up. Paul's writing things like, yeah, if I stay, it's good because I got family and friends and preaching the gospel, but if I go, I get to be with the Lord, so Either way is fine with me. He says specifically, he says, um, I'm ready to be poured out. And then he explains why. He says, I'm ready to be poured out because, well, I, I lived a good life. I fought well. I, I finished my race. I kept the faith. It's like, whatever, let's go. Let's do this, you know. The question that intrigues me today is like, why is Paul so ready for the future. And Hezekiah was like, no, I, I, I need more time. I think it has to do with the way those guys lived. Um, my theory is that Paul, Paul discovered life's purpose and he aligned everything with it. He, he was like, yeah, I know why I'm on the earth, and if my time on the earth is finished, then good. Because, listen, family, your sense of value, your enthusiasm for life, if you could call it that. I, again, the, the reason you want to get up in the morning is to the degree that you're aligned with the awareness that God has a purpose over your life. You know, you can use a coffee pot as a doorstop, but that's not really aligning the purpose of the coffee pot with its, with its value. No, no, no. A coffee pot is made to wake you up in the morning with a wrong. You guys know what a coffee pot is for. You, you know, but, but when you misuse something outside of its design, then you're limiting the value of the purpose. There's a lot of people I know. They're not that many in Pennsylvania, but there's a lot of people in Texas and they're living 70, 80, 90 years and they're never expressing the value of their life because they're not aligning their life with God's purpose. Does that make sense? to you? And so our text tells us about the purpose of God, and it says that the purpose of God has been determined, but it is yet to be discovered by a lot of people. 
It's determined, and this is a big challenge for a lot of people, like how can I discover God's purpose? And it's especially now a contemporary challenge because the world pretty much is telling us, the culture is telling us that you're just a random person. You're, you're just, you, you've just evolved. You're just an accident. And all of that kind of thinking undermines the value of purpose. Our culture is basically saying, you know, you shouldn't expect to be significant in life because, uh, you know, you're just a blob of gas or chemicals and we'll give you a number, but we're not going to really know your name. And, the, and yet the Bible is so clear that like every human being, doesn't matter how old you are, doesn't matter how young you are, if you're not in heaven yet, <laughs> if you're still breathing, God says there's there's a sweet spot for your life that we are calling the purpose of, of the Father, you see. And what is the purpose of the Father? Well, in a general way, Romans 8, 29 says this is, this is the purpose. It says he knew beforehand, he determined, he predestined, that's the King James language, he predestined that you would be conformed to the image of Jesus. So the purpose of God for your life in the earth is that you would be the image of Jesus for somebody. That you would show people the heart of God in you, the episodes of your life, in the locations of, uh, of your life. And, and this is brilliant to me. This is amazing to me. I mean, this is not the same as Jesus dying on the cross for our sins, but this is pretty big. When you read in verse 29 of Chapter 8 of Romans, it, it says, before you were even on the planet, he predestined you to be conformed to the image. And if he determined before you were ever born that you were going to have a purpose over your life, then he did a number of things. Here are the dominoes. He called you, you see, and then he justified you, which is, uh, again, just a theological way of saying he, he qualified you to fulfill your purpose. He qualified you. He made it possible for you to live in the purpose that he has for you. And then this blows my mind. He glorified your life, which means he took his own attributes, his holiness, his love, his peace, and he shared them with human beings so that he has predetermined his purpose over your life. He made you aware of it through the calling. He justified you or qualified you to actually live in the purpose. And then he put on loan his attributes so that when you're walking through the earth, you're not just doing it like a, like a pot of clay. You're doing it to display the heart and the attributes of God. That's pretty big stuff. That's, that's pretty, that's pretty heady if, if you think about God doing all of that, I, you know, that's why little throwaway lines like this mean so much to me in the Bible, Acts 13, like this is, this doesn't mean much unless you understand what's behind it, but it says like King David, Acts 13, 36 says King David served the purpose of God. He served the purpose of God in his own generation, which is just the revealing of the idea that David had been groomed by heaven to deliver some aspect of God's plan into the earth during his lifespan. And the same for us. 
It's the same for us. We are here to deliver into the earth some aspect of God's plan into the earth. So I don't know if this is the best of times or if this is the worst of times, but I know it's our times, you see. It's our times because God in his sovereignty, oh, he could have had Elijah show up in 2023. He could have had Ruth and Boaz show up in 2023. He could have had Peter or James or John show up in 2023. But he sovereignly in all of his wisdom said, no, 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 no. I think the people who will steward my purpose in the earth the best in 2023 is Carly and and Michael and Christina. And those are the only names of people. I don't know people in the third service as much, but, but Mel and Kim and Stephanie, you know, God has arranged for us to be the stewards of his purpose. Wow. So there's a reason for your season. There's a reason for you to get up in the mornings. And, And I just have come to share that getting aligned, getting your life aligned with God's purpose is a pretty big deal finding the sweet spot for your life. Jesus said it over and over. He said, listen, whoever is willing to lose their life will actually find their life. And, and, and that's kind of scary until you realize what he's offering and suggesting. He's like, if you'll just surrender your ways and take on my ways, if you'll just surrender your ambition and take on my ambition, which is to restore the world, to reform and redeem the world, or if you'll just take my stuff on instead of your stuff, you're gonna find a life that is radically unavailable in any other way. You're gonna find an amazing life. So I've sort of been intrigued with this idea of how do you find your purpose? And I came up with five questions that I think are kind of helpful to just get you focused in on what your purpose might look like. And, and, and briefly, like question number one is like you need to answer the who am I question. This is an identity question, okay? So, so the culture, as you know, these days is very confused about identity because like, who am I? I don't, do I get to establish my own identity or, or, you know, I don't really know who I am. So I'll buy Jordans or Gucci or something like that. I'll, I'll live vicariously through somebody else's identity. And we've got all these industries helping you have identity consulting or whatever you want to, want to call it. And, and, and so, you know, the idea behind our confused culture is that, is that your identity is supposed to move you toward your purpose. Your identity exists to move you toward your purpose. That's why Paul begins his letters not by saying, I'm Saul, the guy that persecutes Christians. You remember that? He's like, no, 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 I am Paul. I am an apostle of the Lord Jesus Christ. And I just wanna encourage somebody today that you are not who your sixth grade coach said you were. You are not who your high school teacher said you are. You are who God says you are. And God says you are his son, you are his daughter, So purpose begins with an understanding of identity. Second question is, where am I from? And the idea here is that you're not from Alabama or Arkansas or Africa. No, no, no. I'm talking about what are you bringing to the table through your heritage? Who are you from? the, The idea is that who you are connected to what you bring to the table is connected to where you're from. That's why Jesus, for instance, when he would find himself in a pressure-filled moment, he would say, yeah, well, I know where I came from and I know where I'm going. 
See, that, that emotional security of knowing he's brought something to the table because he knows who his father is. He said the same thing. I mean, this, he used the same principle against the Pharisees. They were creating havoc. And so he says, no, no, no. Now I see. Why are you behaving like that? You are from your father, the devil, see. And so what we're talking about here is to understand that your purpose is connected to your heritage. And, and I just, do you understand heritage? Heritage is what comes to you as the heir, what the property and the resource is that comes to you just because you are the child of the Lord. And somebody can help me celebrate if you want to, that we have a heritage today. Listen, we come from Abraham's covenant. We come from the resurrection of Jesus Christ. We come from the baptism. We carry the baptism of the Holy Spirit. We have as our heritage God's mercies and God's word and the testimonies of generations of overcomers that have gone before us. This is my heritage. So, so I stand before you to say I am from a very long line of victorious people. See, So I expect victory because I'm from victory. You, you see. My resources are adequate for whatever I'm going to face, whatever my purpose is. I have that because I'm from my father's heart. See, he predestined all of this. Oh, my goodness. Tell, tell, tell yourself life is not overwhelming, see, because you've got a heritage, see. So the first question is, you know, who am I? The second question is, where am I from? The third question is, what can I do? And this is the potential question. This is the capacity question. Like what kind of power could I carry around? And I was listening to the NFL draft, what was, what was that, you know, a month ago, and, and um, they were commenting on one of the guys that the Cowboys had drafted, and they said, they said, yeah, he has the talent, but he doesn't have the mindset. And I thought, oh my goodness, how sad. Could you imagine somebody saying, oh, they've got the resource to fulfill God's purpose. They just don't have the attitude for it. They just don't have the mindset. They just don't, you know. I think it's time <laughs> for the church to stop affirming mediocrity. Stop celebrating our excuses. Stop lowering our expectations. Oh, you made a D on the test? Well, then you're just a failure. You're just an average person. We won't expect very much from you. Or, oh, you were, you're from Nazareth? Well, you're disqualified. Poor thing. What a victim you are. Listen, let, let me tell you something that an old man knows. Victims can get a lot of sympathy, but they never get victory, okay? And, and it's time, I think, for us to understand that the world's opinions about you are not relevant to your capacity. Your capacity is reliant on the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead. Paul said, I can do anything through Christ who strengthens me. And so what can I do? That's a question that helps us understand our purpose. And then the final question is, where am I going? That has to do with, that has to do with destiny. Because how you view the future really um, affects your attitude now. But the biggest question in the whole journey of finding your purpose is basically like, how do I find it? How do I know what I'm supposed to do for God in the earth while I'm, before I go to heaven? How do, I, how do I find it? And with your permission or even without your permission this morning, I would like to, to show you a case study of a man who discovered his purpose. 
And, and I think the parallels are, are, really, are really clear, really powerful. I think this will help us discover our purpose. So point number one is um, the case study is Moses. And point number one is your purpose awakens with God's call. Your purpose awakens with God's call. Exodus 3, 4. So when the Lord saw that Moses turned aside to look, he called to him. He called to him from the midst of the bush. And he said, Moses, Moses. And so Moses said, here I am. Now, if you need a refresher on the story of Moses, it's just one of the most amazing stories in the Bible. Remember that the law that Pharaoh implemented was to kill all the little Jewish babies, but the natural mother of Moses hid baby Moses in a basket, put him in the river to float him downstream. Just so happened that Pharaoh's daughter was bathing downstream from the place where the basket was put in. And when she saw the basket, maybe she heard little baby Moses crying. Pharaoh's daughter rescued Moses out of the basket. And it just so happened that Moses sister was watching the whole thing play out and she runs up to Pharaoh's, you guys know this story, right? She runs up to Pharaoh's daughter and says, oh, look at the cute little baby. I have an idea. Why don't you let me find a Hebrew woman to nurse this little baby? And so the conniving sister goes and finds Moses' natural mother and brings her to Pharaoh's daughter so that Moses is raised in the most elite home, foster home in the whole planet, but his own natural mother is there. To God has arranged all of this. God has arranged all of this. And it just lets me know that God has a vested interest in Moses' life turning out good. I think the way I wanna say it now is, God has a vested interest in your life turning out good. No, he, he really does. How many of you understand that Chevrolet does not want Silverados to be seen on the back of tow trucks? Right? I, I, I have a Silverado. If you see my Silverado, you will see the image of the Silverado on the front and the back of my truck. You'll see the name Chevrolet. You'll, you'll, see, you'll see high country. You'll see because their reputation, their image, their, 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 the, the, the reflection of their company, my truck reflects their skill as a truck manufacturer. And, and I don't know if this is making sense, but General Motors is going to do everything they can to make sure that my truck stays running and that my truck is, is something that when it goes down the street, it reflects good on the, on the company. And, and does that make sense to you that your success reflects the image of the one in whose image you've been made, that your success reflects his name? It's it's in his interest for you to turn out. It's in his interest for you to turn out, you to turn out good because those, those reflections of values are demonstrated in your life. I'm talking about the sovereign God who arranges the baskets and the people that you meet and the conversations. What does Romans 8 say? It says, 
all things, all things carry an orientation for your success. They carry an orientation for your good, for those who are the called according to his, his purpose. So Moses lands in Egypt and and he gets the finest education and, and, and understands the Egyptian culture. But one day Moses loses his temper and he kills someone and he has to flee to the desert. And it looks like, it looks like the predestined purpose for Moses' life is going to be lost. It looks like the thing that Moses is assigned to do, he's not going to be able to do because he has to leave he has to leave Pharaoh's house and he's out in the desert. But I just need to remind somebody here that what you did at 14 and 17 is not greater. It cannot destroy what God determined before the foundations of the world. Oh, one of those is mightier. And, and it looks like the thing that was purposed for Moses' life is going to be lost, but it wasn't lost because we have a God of grace. Come on, somebody. Thank God for his grace. But there he is in the desert, and there's a fire. And Moses turns aside to look at the fire because the bush is not burning up, and it was in the fire, the fire is the presence of God, and it was in the fire that the call came forth. Now, in Moses' generation, the main thing God wanted to accomplish was to set the, set the slaves free. He, he wanted a people, and, and, and what's so interesting to me is that God would not move the story forward until someone said, here I am. He, maybe he could have, but he didn't. He would not move the story forward until he called Moses and Moses said, here I am. And I just came from Dallas to tell you that God's call is the beginning of a spiritually dynamic life. I studied it so much to, to call, to, to be called. It literally means to catch your ear. So, so that if God could catch your ear, he could catch your life. And the second meaning of the call is, is that it means to name something. So the Bible says that God called the light day. And, and so literally he made the day. So what is the call of God? It's when God catches your ear so that he can catch your whole being. And, and then it's when he names you or makes you or forms you and says you are going to demonstrate my heart in this generation. And remember, please, that the original word for the, the word church is the word ecclesia. And all that it means is a group of people who know they are called. The called out ones, that's the church. That's why we honor one another. That's why we love one another. Because we're pointing across the room at one another and saying, that person is called and you're called and I'm called and we're called. And so everybody here is generating a unity of called family to say, we are here for the purpose of God in Summit. We are here for the purpose of God in rural Pennsylvania. I'm remembering the discomfort of my call because I don't want to leave you with the impression that when you get called, it makes you happy. Um, it will disrupt your desert life. 
See? And at the time you say yes to the call, it might feel inconvenient, it might feel unsettling. If you study all the people who said yes to the call, you'll know that Abraham had to leave his family and his city. When, when he said yes to the call, Elisha had to break up his farm and his farm instruments and Paul went blind for a couple of days when he said yes to, to the call. And, and Isaiah was touched with a burning coal on his lips so that his words would get in alignment with God's purpose in, in, in the earth. And we could talk about Jeremiah ending up in a dungeon or we could talk about Jonah. And, you know, that was pretty inconvenient for him to say yes to the call and end up in the belly of the whale. But I, I need to remind you that the earth is groaning, waiting for the sons of God to show up. And they're groaning in our generation, waiting for the church to say yes to the call and the purpose of God. And God does not move his story forward until there's someone who says, here am I. Here am I. When, when I uh, started pastoring Trinity, Trinity Church 29 years ago, I won't go into the details, but I will tell you, I pretty much made a mess of things. <laughs> uh, one day specifically, we, we had a Christian school. We had a professional football player who was the athletic director at the school, and he had done some things to make me mad, and I'd done some things to make him mad. And in front of a whole school assembly, I can't explain how this happened, but we both lost our temper. And by the way, Mike Barber is one of my good friends now, but we both lost our temper. And the next thing you know, we were wrestling on the ground with one another in front of all the students. We were such great examples of Christian witnesses. It was just unbelievable. <laughs> Um, it, was, it was such a terrible season. It was like people were just leaving our church. They were leaving our school. They were so mad. And, and I remember walking the baseball field that afternoon after I had just brought such reproach to myself. I was like, God, please don't make me pastor this church anymore. I can't do it. I lost my temper. I, don't, I didn't behave like a pastor. I don't think I'm a pastor. I, you know, let me be a mixed martial arts or something. I'm just not, <laughs> just not a pastor. I'm so disqualified. I cannot stay here. It was 29 years ago, and, and I just remember it like it was, you know, last week. I remember the Lord saying, but did I call you here? Did I call you here? Because if I called you, it's going to work out for good. It took a lot of faith to believe that what had just happened was going to work out for good, but but that was the day that I remembered my call. I love that word, remember. I took the members of my heart and my mind and my, my body and I put them into the recognition that God actually had called me. As a teenager at youth camp, I remember the experience where he said, Jim, if you want to play baseball, you can play baseball. But if you want to move my story forward, then here's my presence and here's my anointing. And, and, and I, want to, I want to call you. And I said on that day, here I am. And I don't know if there's anyone in this service that's old enough to remember the old song we used to sing softly and tenderly Jesus is calling I will tell you mine was not like that there was nothing soft or tender about accepting God's call in my life because I made excuses and I resisted and I didn't want to be a pastor my dad was a pastor it was the last thing on my bucket list but I'm testifying to you today that when you need some assurance in your life the greatest assurance that you can ever 
ever know is to recognize that before you were born, there was a God who saw you and there was a God who chose you and there was a God who signaled to you that he wants you stewarding his purposes. There's a God who justifies. There's a God who wants me. There's a God who has resourced my life. And I don't know if there's anyone else in the room, anyone in Blairsville who knows what it is to say, yes, I have been called by God. But if you know what that's like, then you ought to just say with me right now, thank you, God, that you have allowed me to participate in what you're doing in the earth. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. Someone's like, oh, calling, calling. That's what, that's what elite Christians do. They're, they're called. That's for Moses and Abraham and pastors who go to Bible college and get ordained. Well, that's what religion would tell you. The Bible actually says that you are a chosen generation. It says that you are a holy nation, his own special people who he called out of darkness. The Bible says that divine power has been given to us for all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him who, watch, called us. The Bible says that we are to be filled with the Holy Spirit so that we can walk worthy of the calling with which we have been called. And the Bible says that there is one body and one spirit just as we have been called to one hope when we were called. Listen, it's not a super Christian to walk in your calling. It's actually foundational to what God is up to in your life. My wife is the chaplain for the Dallas Wings WNBA. She says hello to you, by the way. Um, And uh, at every chapel now, she has them just say it with enthusiasm. She says, ladies, you were born on purpose, you were born with purpose, and you were born for purpose. And I know we're not in a basketball locker room right now, but I just want somebody to say it with me. Come on, we were born on purpose, we were born with purpose, we were born for purpose, amen, amen. Here's the second point, I'm almost done. Purpose clarifies with our design. Exodus 3, 9 and 10, now therefore behold the crowd of the children of Israel has come to me. I've seen the oppression with which the Egyptians oppressed them. Come now, therefore, I will send you to Pharaoh that you may bring my people out. I'll be with you. I'll be with you. Isn't it interesting that Moses didn't have to Google maps to find the way to Pharaoh's house? He knew the way. He lived there. He was raised in Pharaoh's house. His previous life had prepared him for his purposeful life, his place where he failed, his place where where his familiarity, his river rescue, all of that converged to the become the stage for his spiritual success. And this is the most amazing verse, I think, in the Old Testament. This strikes me so much, Exodus 7, 2. So the Lord said to Moses, see, I have made you as God to Pharaoh. What? It, it does not say, I'm gonna go to Pharaoh. I don't, you don't have to worry about anything. I'll take care of Pharaoh for you. He's like, no, I'm gonna make you as God to Pharaoh and Aaron, your brother, shall be your prophet. And I just need this lesson to get in our hearts today. Dear friends, the, 
the arrangement of your life. God arranges, he invades, he participates in every, all things, every episode of your life, all of the stories, all of the disappointments, all of the fears, all of the relationships, all of that. Your familiar life comes into some sovereign, glorious awareness that you are to be on the earth as God to someone. I think it was three weeks ago, actually, that there was a letter that was presented to me, a copy of the letter from the Secretary of the Air Force to the Secretary of Defense. It had my name on the letter, and it also had the name of Trinity Church on the letter. And it was because in 2014, you may remember the news, there were a group of girls who were kidnapped by the terrorist group, the Boko Haram. This is in Nigeria, and some of them escaped after being abused and and um, we were not allowed to tell anybody, but some of those girls who escaped came to Cedar Hill, Texas, and we housed them, and we put them in our Christian school, and we taught them English, and we helped them. Um, the reason the letter was being written was because one of those girls on that day was being commissioned into the Air Force as an officer of the United States Air Force. And I'm telling you that story because... If you've never known what it's like to be as God to, our church was as God to those girls. There, there were times when loving them was about the hardest, most inconvenient thing that our church had ever done. It cost so much money. They were, they were, they were so awkward. They didn't know how to socially in, interact with anyone. They broke things at, at our house. <laughs> you know, it was just, but I'm here to tell you that the purpose of God for our church during that season was to rescue those girls from their slavery and to give them a hope and a destiny and to hear that one of those girls was going to be an officer. I don't know if this story is touching your heart at all but I'm here to remind you that God is doing something in the earth and we get to participate in it. We get to be as God. You can be a school teacher or you can be as God to the students. You can join the club or you can be as God to the guys that you're working out with. You, your business can be a business or you can be as God to the community through your business. This is the purpose of our life. And finally, I close with this. Your purpose enriches. Oh, by the way, let me, let me just point this out. The question that gets asked the most is, how can I know God's purpose for my life? And I'll just say this, sometimes God communicates his purpose like he did with Moses in the fire, but sometimes God arranges his purpose like he did with Aaron. Aaron didn't have God communicate his purpose to him. All that Aaron had was an insecure brother who needed some help. And if you don't know your purpose yet, come alongside somebody else's purpose to help them until God arranges your purpose and makes it clear. You see, Aaron's family became the priests of Israel. He found his purpose, but he didn't hear his purpose until he had been alongside his brother's purpose. And if you're looking for somebody who, who has a purpose, I mean, look no farther than Pastor Mel and Pastor Kim and, and, and Summit Church and all that they're doing throughout you know, rural Pennsylvania. Come alongside someone else's purpose until God arranges your purpose. And then last but not least, your purpose enriches as you take God's story forward. That's just the idea that Moses began so fearfully, so he was trembling. He said he stuttered, even though Acts says he didn't stutter. He, he's such a mess. But as he kept moving toward God's purpose, 
oh my goodness. He walked across dry land on the Red Sea. He had a revelation of God from Mount Sinai. He built a worship system for a whole nation. He had his own special tent to meet with God. He, he, he was a spiritual father to Joshua as he kept moving forward in God's purpose. Layer after layer after layer of glory kept coming down from heaven into the earth through Moses and and he lived an amazing life. That's what happens when you align your life with, with God's purpose. I, um, I want to pray for you. Yeah. Bow your heads, please. As I was praying over the weekend and looking so forward to ministering with you and just being with you, I, I think I heard the Holy Spirit suggest that I offer two prayers. Pastor Mel's gonna come in just a moment and close the service, but before he does, there are two very specific things that I must be obedient to the Lord with regarding this closing prayer. And the first is simply this, to ask who would give me permission to pray with you, very simply, to say yes to God's purpose. The word commit is such a beautiful word, it means to take the lid off of your potential to take the lid off of a deep well or to take the lid off of something. God has stored up so much of his glory to be expressed through your life. But before that happens, there has to be a yes. There has to be a commitment. If there's anyone in the 11 o'clock service that would be so honest and courageous to say, Pastor Jim, I'm, I'm a believer. I go to church. I'm a moral person. I'm good. But I don't think I've ever been intentional about saying yes to God's purpose. It doesn't matter if you know what it is or if you don't know what it is. God will take care of all of that. What matters now is for you to say yes to pushing his story forward in the life that he has arranged for you. And the second part of the prayer is very simply that there might be some people, I know there, there have been in each of the previous services that would say, Pastor, please pray for me because there's something in my past that makes me feel disqualified. There's a trauma, there's a memory, there's an embarrassment. And I give you permission to pray for me today because I wanna activate a grace that turns that bad thing into the good thing that supports my calling and his purpose. And so if either of those things fits your heart right now, Would you please let me pray for you? I believe this prayer will make a difference. The prayer would be number one, I'm gonna say yes to God's purpose. Number two, I need his mercy to go to a very specific place in my past so that I don't feel disqualified anymore. Come on, somebody, here's the gospel. You can become a new creation through Christ Jesus. The old things get passed away. (laughs) I'm just gonna count the three and if you'd be honest and courageous enough to say, yeah, pastor, you can pray for me, then just lift your hands. One, two, three, lift your hand. God bless you, thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you for the privilege of praying for you. Father, in the name of Jesus, I just wanna thank you for your presence here now. It's not a burning bush, but it's just as real. And Lord, in, as we close this, this service, we're We're doing what Moses did. We're turning aside. We're turning to your presence. We're turning to your communication. And we don't know all that's ahead of our life, but we know that this is the time for us to say yes to your purpose. 
if you lifted your hands and you, and you don't mind, just say yes out loud right now. One, two, three, yes. Come on, say it. One, two, three, yes. I say yes to you, Lord. I say yes to your purpose. And Lord, I pray, I pray the people in the sound of my voice, Blairsville, beyond, I, I, I pray, Lord, that your grace, even as it did for Moses, would go back into that hurtful memory, that trauma, just like in my own life when I just thought I disqualified myself. Lord, I thank you that your grace is greater. Today, we say yes to your grace and we trust you to take the bad parts of our life and turn it to good because we are the called according to your purpose. Lord, bless this precious church family as they Pursue your purpose together throughout this region. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. If you enjoy this content, please let us know by rating and reviewing the podcast. You can also contact us at summitpodcast.church. Remember to share this episode with your friends and on social media. Summit Podcasts can be found on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you listen to podcasts, we're there. Thank you for listening to Summit Podcasts, and we will see you in the next episode.